Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour of the show is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned VC company helping local business since 1892. In the words of Minor Madden Abbotsford, crank it up and let's go. Uh, it's it's big night. Canucks and Colorado Avalanche. Big night in the standings. Yeah. Uh, trying to catch the uh, the team that's in the stop. second wild card spot. Stop, stop. No standings talk. No game, no, no game talk. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Avalanche, but only in relation to having a really, really bad year and turning it around. So... A couple of weeks ago, you brought it up how, I think it was in a mailbag, and of course, mailbags come every Friday. You can find it on the podcast. Um, how the Colorado Avalanche in 2016-17 had the likes of McKinnon, mm-hmm. Duchesne, Rantanen, Landeskog, Tyson Berry, all on their roster, mm-hmm. and finished with 48 points. Yeah. <laughs> rough year rough, rough year. year yeah like 48 points sat you're the king of like you know nhl teams generally win at least 25 games oh no these guys <laughs> these guys won 22 that year like it's, it's very hard to not win 30 games in a season yes. these guys just barely got over 20 wins it, it was very impressive as yeah. far as futility goes with a decent collection of talent they weren't burgeoning at the time. Like, Rantanen was a rookie. McKinnon, you know, he had a great start, but had a kind of a down year that year. Duchesne was going through the whole, like, I want out of here. And the vibes weren't good with that team. Yeah, the but vibes th- were bad. Very much uh, like it sometimes feel around Vancouver. Yeah, but I think it's a... Uh, Semyon Varlamov was a goalie as well. He had a down year that season, but he's a guy that obviously in the past with that team had shown he can play very well. I mean, even the t- two previous years above that, he was still above league average. In the year they made the playoffs and had that big season, he was one of the better goalies in the league. They Semyon never Varlamov. got over the uh, the bad vibes of Patrick Waugh that year. They really didn't, right? Yeah. But even Varlamov that year had a down year, and that contributed to them being a 48-point team. They probably should have been a 78-point team or 75-point team or Mm -hmm. 80-point team, Mm -hmm. but they really underachieved. And we're not quite seeing it to that degree with this Canucks team, but I do think there are some parallels with how a team with a collection of talent that should be better is kind of finding itself a lot worse than anybody expected. So that was uh, the the Avalanche. You know, they uh, went through their big rebuild. They got McKinnon and then, you know, started to... Turn it around. They went uh, to the playoffs in 2013, 14 with Patrick Waugh, and it was downhill from there. Sound familiar? Maybe like the Canucks in 2019, 20, and then never being able to really figure it out after that and find those same vibes again. And obviously, they had to make a big decision, and that big decision ended up being Matt Duchesne. Mm -hmm. The very next season, they trade him early on in the season – Joe Sackick was being crushed by everybody. Yeah. Uh, his own fan base, national media, 
everybody was saying, what's this guy waiting for? Like, are you trading Matt Duchesne or not? Get on with it already. You're well, not going to get the package you clearly want, what you're clearly hoping for. He was roasted for it. He was roasted yeah. for how bad that year was for Colorado and how his lack of movement on Duchesne contributed to that team. Having its struggles and it being a really bad vibe, Ryan O'Reilly had been had gotten traded yeah. not too long before that as well. So there were a lot of bad vibes around the team. And Joe Sackick was taking an inordinate amount of criticism that year. I think people kind of forget about the amount of heat Joe Sackick took before the Colorado Avalanche turned it around. Uh, there was a legitimate question if he was fit for the job. Yeah. Right? At, at that time. You know, is, like, is this one of those, like, pass grades that just in the job because, you know, of what he meant to the franchise, but he hasn't really done anything to turn this team around yet. And obviously, you know, hindsight, we know he's figured it out a little bit with Colorado. And it all really turned around as soon as they traded Matt Duchesne in early or yeah, late 2018, the early part of that season, they trade him in a three team deal with the Ottawa senators and the Nashville predators. And it, you know, it was a pretty big haul at the time that, that the avalanche ended up getting. Um, Of course they get the first round pick, which they later turn into Bowen Byram, I believe. Mm-hmm. from the Ottawa Senators. That was the big piece, but at the time, they didn't know that was going to end up being a top-five pick in the NHL draft. But that's what, they, yeah, that's what worked out for them, though. That's what really worked out in the deal. They got a couple of guys who were former first-rounders, Shane Bowers, Vlad Kamenev, but the biggest piece was actually one that they got from Nashville when they flipped Kyle Turris, who they got in the Duchesne trade, to Nashville and ended up with Samuel Girard. Um, and we know still like Gerard's been a pretty big piece mm-hmm. for that team, even if he has been kind of on and off the trade block at times over the last couple of years. Yeah. And that's the thing with, with Samuel Gerard, they got a right hand, they got a defenseman who could play the right side. Yep. Who is an instant top four defenseman on that team. And you saw how big of a change that was for that for that back end that needed somebody like Sammy Gerard, and like somebody texted in that down year also allowed them to land Kale McCarr. Yeah, that they had when they had a forty-eight point season. Now they didn't. They, yeah, they they ended up with the worst record in the league, but dropped to fourth in the lottery. Yes, and they lucked out to get Kale McCarr at number mm-hmm. four, um, because Kale McCarr probably should have gotten a lot higher. In hindsight, it should have been the first overall pick in that. Yeah, year's but he draft. was playing in the AJHL, yes. so there was a lot of question of how what he was doing there was really going to translate. Well, if you looked at the history of AJHL players, the only player of recent memory that had come out and been successful was Colton Pareko. Yeah. And before that, and even Pareko only had a spell there and went and played in WHL before, you know, ultimately taking that step on, or at least went to another level. I forget which one it was. And before that, it was go back to the first overall pick, the defenseman, the Ottawa Senators picked many years back. Chris Phillips? Chris Phillips. Wow. So that shows why Kill McCarr probably... Solid career, Chris Phillips. Great career, but he yeah. also came out of the AJHL, played in the AJHL. But outside of that, not a lot of players have come through that league, so that were, that's where a lot of the reluctance was to t- take Kill McCarr. But they, they didn't get the lottery luck, but they picked the number four and they got Kill McCarr, and that worked out for them massively. So all of this is to say, like, the Canucks have a blueprint to follow. <laughs> to some extent, I mean, listen, what Colorado did the next year, too, when you also have to keep this in mind... 
they went and they, they, they went to the playoffs after they traded Duchesne. Yes, and it's because the trade they made, of course, they got Sammy Girard, a top four defenseman who helped them out in, in a massive way. But also one of the things that happened for them was they had a couple of players really take a step up. They signed uh, Alex Kerfoot as a college free agent, and he was able to play in their top six right away. And he was had productive. over forty points that yeah, year. He he was solid. Uh, JT Comfort took a bit of a step. They got guys like Matt Nieto stepping up a bit. Blake Como had a good year. Carl Soderberg, the young guy they brought in the year before, he took a big step and became like a solid third line center for them. They had some young guys develop and kind of come through, but obviously it was Nathan McKinnon. Finally had his breakout. Had and 97 his, points that year. And Miko Rantanen started becoming the player we're, we're seeing today. Yeah, it was his age 22 season for McKinnon. You know, at that time, there was question marks of, you know, where is the ceiling yeah. going to end up being? And obviously, uh, pretty high. Top five in the league and second best in the league for strong periods here behind Connor McDavid and in that Sidney Crosby range. Um, so, you know, when people say, oh, the Canucks are three at least three years away you know like yes that Colorado team had some advantages they still had cap space they obviously had great draft capital that they were still working with um they hadn't traded you know three consecutive first round picks like uh like the Canucks have so you know those things are are different about the two situations but part of me sad is just you know, I I don't like to uh, unlike uh, the the Liverpool lad we like to quote quite often here uh, at the corner of walk and don't walk. <laughs> I don't live in absolutes, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. do ends, ifs, or maybes. I live in absolutes. I'm not that guy, okay. Not I, today. As much as I want to be that guy, and as much as I live, <laughs> I, I laugh at that guy. Um, yeah, I don't I don't like living in absolutes. I don't think there is one way to go about building a hockey team, and I don't think there is. I can see a path where the Canucks do perform a lot better next year than they are this season. You got to win moves. Yeah, I think what what, what gets lost in everything is yes, there's an idealistic way and an academic way that you'd love to rebuild and have all the assets and build it out. And then there's the go out and just make trades and make moves that you win more consistently. And essentially, that's what Colorado did. And I'm not saying Vancouver is going to be Colorado. It took Colorado. When we're talking about 2018. They won the Cup in 2022. They made the playoffs in 2017-2018. Yeah. So we're talking about four years before they won the Stanley. So there's still a lot of growth they needed and more additions they needed over time to get to that level, of course, right? They had so, some big playoff disappointments. It, so this that's the first year we're talking about, you know, and Vancouver's a ways away to get to that point. But for them to take that step next season, that's where you have to make the Bo Horvat trade. And if you get that defenseman, get a young defenseman who can come in and play for you next year, if they can get a top four defenseman that comes in and plays for them in trading Bo Horvat, and then you have some cap space, you don't take a massive leap next year, but you might be better than you are this season, be more competitive. Colorado went from 48 points to the playoffs. I don't know. Massive jump. Now, what they had was somebody came and replaced Duchesne internally. Yeah. That's what they had. What Vancouver also is going to need is somebody to internally replace what Bo Horvat would do. So it's one thing to trade Bo and get that defenseman. Now, it was more by committee with Colorado. They had Soderbergh take a big step up and took a lot of matchups and was able to do well. Kerfoot came in and played and was able to take some of those minutes away and, and play on the power play as well. So they did it by committee to some extent. Can Vancouver do that and improve on the back end? And there's, you still have to make more additions, but there is a blueprint here that if you win and nail the Bo Horvat trade and are able to move some contracts out, 
you're not that far away. You still need a high draft pick. You got to find your Bowen Byram. Could that be this season? Yeah. Or down the road? And they got killed McCarr that year. So Vancouver this year, can you get that high draft pick? Can you get that equivalent type of talent? If you get that equivalent type of talent, then make that trade and get a back defenseman. Get a first-round pick that can bring you another player that approximates a Bowen Byram type in a couple of years. Then you can. But what they have to do is win three massive trades. Yeah, you've got to win. This deadline here is is huge for them. Um, whether it is the Horvat deal, Luke Shen has to be traded, in my opinion, as good of a soldier as he's been for this franchise. And even then, I I, I still am doubtful about you know landing a first round pick for Luke Shen. But you know this deadline is massive for this front office, and it's pretty obvious which route they have to go. Even if they win a couple of games here or there and stay kind of on the fringes of any kind of random playoff conversation that I keep joking about off the top of every show, Um, it's not happening. It's not worth it for this team to keep believing in that falsehood. So winning these next moves is huge for this team. Creating cap space is huge for this team. Because it gives you so much flexibility, it gives you the opportunity as, you know, what was one of the big moves Colorado made, not that very next season, but down the line when they traded two second rounders for Devon Taves. Mm -hmm. And that formed what is now the best D pair in the NHL, Devon Taves and Kale McCarr. And also traded uh, some picks to get a guy like Andre Burakovsky, yep. who uh, Washington had to trade. So they gave up a second and a third or something along those lines to acquire him. It wasn't a first round pick. So, but you got to accumulate draft picks in order to do that. Exactly. And once, extra you have draft ca- once you have extra draft picks and you have some cap space, that allows your opportunities to go out and do some things, right? And I do believe that right now in the league, considering how capped out teams are, and this is where it's so hard for Vancouver because they need to find some cap space, but there are good players available for you if you have some space you can get for pretty cheap. The yeah. reason you're not seeing teams like Anaheim and you know Chicago do that is, number one, they're trying to tank. And they're even willing to be bad next season as well. So they're not really interested in, in adding good players to their roster, the guys that can come in and, and make them better necessarily, that have some money on the books as well. But if you do have some of that flexibility and have some extra cap space, there are other ways to get better. Like The best way to get better, like I mentioned, is to obviously strip it all down and go through and nail a bunch of draft picks and have all the cap space in the world. But that's not a realistic pathway with this team. Like, I don't think it's realistic. Well, Colorado went through their rebuild and, you know, they did this another like sort of quick reset sort of thing or heavy reset. I, whatever term well, they, you want to put they, on it. At, ultimately, they lucked out too. They had the down year, yeah. which got them kill McCarr, which yes. is the big thing. And then they were able to nail that one trade. Now, other trades they made as well, but they really nailed that next trade because they got a top five pick in Bowen Byram. Yeah. Right. And you get a top four defenseman in Sam Girard. Like really getting those cornerstones. I mean, cause, so here's where it pays off. Having Girard last season, he got hurt in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Then Byram just stepped into those minutes. Yeah. And, and was incredible. For the and final they didn't miss a single beat despite losing a top four caliber defenseman in Sammy Girard. Right. So that's how that overlapped and helped you out. So it's not even about getting that player today. It's about getting that player to come into your lineup in two or three years when you're ready to win. Right. So that's where you got to get somebody who can come in soon. And then one of the futures you have, one way or another, has to become an impact defenseman down the road as well. It's uh, it, it's not easy to um, imagine that this can work because everything we're saying is 
sounding quite difficult. It's a huge task. Everything is difficult. Though, Everything right? is difficult, but you have to figure it out. Well, it's all about like again, like what you have to do is win your trades. You know, and people say, why isn't that realistic? I don't think it's realistic for for this team to go out, go out and trade Pedersen, Demko, and Hughes and start over again. Like, yeah. who's done that? Like, nobody nobody in the National well, Hockey Colorado League. Colorado didn't move off of Nathan you know, McKinnon, McKinnon and you know, at the time to to rebuild again. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not saying you have to do those things. Even the, even Toronto Maple Leafs, like we mentioned yeah. this before, everyone, everyone cites the Toronto Maple Leafs rebuild. Do the Leafs thing. I agree, do the Leafs thing. The Leafs didn't trade Nylander. They didn't trade Morgan Riley. No. They didn't trade Nazem Kadri initially. They didn't trade JVR. Jake Gartner. Yep. They kept a lot of guys. You know, they did. Tyler Bozak. They mm-hmm. still kept players. They made a bunch of other trades, absolutely. They had extra assets they had to move, for sure. But it's not like you have to trade everyone. You don't have to do that. But I do think if you do enough moves, like, I'm saying do the least thing, which is trading a bunch of guys, just not, yeah. not everybody. You not, know? not everybody. Yeah. And, you know, it's clear who they want to build around here in Vancouver. It is Elias Patterson. But, like, even, even the, like, again, even the New York Rangers. They yeah. sent the letter out. They kept Zibanejad. They kept Kreider. They kept yeah. Truba. They had big pieces to trade, though. So, I mean, people say the Canucks aren't allowed to rebuild their only team. Which team has done the full-on rebuild outside of the Pittsburgh Penguins because they were almost going insolvent before the salary cap came in? And they got Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. This is going back to, you know, the early 2000s, late 90s, really. Colorado did it 10 years ago. <laughs> You know, more than 10 years ago when they got uh, McKinnon now, right? Or it's about 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey has done it, but they've gone through themselves two of these full rebuilds now. Edmonton did the two rebuild thing. Uh, How's it work? It hasn't really worked out for them. Buffalo's done it. Like all of these teams have done two rebuilds now. But even those teams didn't do scorched earth rebuilds. Yeah. Where they got rid of pretty much every. But then this is the point I'm making. You don't have to trade Hughes, Patterson, and Demko. Like all three. Or or Hughes and Patterson. That's yeah. what I mean by a full-on rebuild. You don't have to trade those guys to be successful. There is generally, in all of these situations, one piece that gets moved. That helps you. And helps you acquire a big-time haul. An extra first-round draft pick. Something to that effect. Right. And that seems like it's going to be Bo Horvat at this point. But, you know, Colorado, they moved Duchesne, uh, New York. They did move a bunch of guys and got some extra picks when they after they sent out that letter. But it was really one deadline where they really sent sold off a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't do much after that. And that's that's this deadline for the Vancouver Canucks, or at least it should be this deadline for the Vancouver Canucks. I know. And people mention the Colorado, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. The Chicago Blackhawks didn't rebuild. They missed the playoffs like 10 out of 11 years for a stretch before they became a good team again. From 1998 until 2008, the Chicago Blackhawks made the playoffs once. Yeah. Once. That wasn't a full, that was just like you're in the wilderness for over a decade <laughs> and you, accl- you accumulate you assets over some time. You know what I mean? My point is there, there aren't examples of a full-on rebuild regularly scorched earth in NHL history, especially in the cap era, that's proven successful. Or even done it. Oh, you know what I mean? in the NBA. Yeah, but, but like, but what I'm saying is, even the teams that people cite as doing full rebuilds didn't do the full rebuild. Yeah. The Leafs, the Rangers. They didn't do full rebuilds. They haven't had the ultimate success. But you look at some of the, the cup winners recently. Did St. Louis do a full-on rebuild? No. They had some high-end draft picks. They ended up with some high-end draft picks. Alex Pietrangelo was huge, fourth overall. Um, they didn't do a full-on rebuild. They made the great trade for Ryan O'Reilly that really set them off, and O'Reilly figured it out for that one half season, and St. Louis ends up winning a Stanley Cup. Uh, Washington, yeah, sure, they went through uh, 
a period of being really bad. They got Alex Ovechkin. That worked out. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's probably the one, right? Pittsburgh's the one where they said, "Okay, we 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 suck. Uh, we can barely afford to keep this team in town." Oh, then the team was on the on the brink <laughs> on the brink of being sold and and, and insolvency. Moving team. This moving is right. cities before the the lockout that the the, the league lost yeah. the entire year. That team almost folded, and they won the greatest lottery there was to win. Yeah, with uh, Sidney Crosby coming out of the lock, lockout year. Plus, they got Evgeny Malkin. Plus, they've got Mark Andre Fleury. Um, it, you know, all of you're, you're right. All of these situations, even Tampa, Tampa bottomed out, and then came back up, and then bottomed out again <laughs> before becoming repeat champions and building themselves up again. Yeah. It, it, it took some time. In a lot of these situations, uh, there is an upturn and then a, a bit of a downturn before the upswing again. Pittsburgh is another you know example like where they win that cup in 09, but then they're kind of just toiling in mediocrity for a while as Crosby got his injuries mm-hmm. and there was a big question mark of whether or not they had to trade Evgeny Malkin for a time in order to get themselves back up to being amongst the league's elite. Jim Rutherford goes in there and he figures it out. So, you know, I know Jim Rutherford hasn't really done anything or much so far to really inspire confidence, and I get that from this fan base right now. But he does have three cups for a reason. And uh, you know, another another example of a team who's on fire right now, the Carolina Hurricanes, like they were just bad for for more than ten years. Yeah, they're. I mean, and you know, they were just really after they won the cup, they were just bad. And people make the make good points about those teams' accumulated assets. Of course, the only point I'm making, those teams didn't do the full on rebuild that people were talking about. What I will say about that's the, it. What I will say about this version of the Canucks is they, like, they don't have a ton of pieces that can get them halls. No, that's that, it's a problem. I'm that not is, saying that is a big problem. The Canucks are in a tough spot. They have to make a bunch of moves. I'm just saying you don't have to trade Hughes and Pedersen to to be a winner. Yeah, that's it. And and I don't know why it's becoming a hot take in this market to say you can win with Pedersen and Hughes if you make the right moves. Yeah, like it's like. Again, like if 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 NHL Pedersen looks like a top ten center in the league. If again. recent NHL history was littered with a bunch of examples of teams trading every single player, guys under twenty five as well, and then becoming a contender in four or five years, I say, yeah, great. You guys are talking about something that's been proven and it's true, and this is what you got to do. But that's not it. No, like we're literally saying the Canucks have to do something that no team has done and been successful for because that's the only way they can win. What is that based on? Outside of an opinion and a projection, it's not based on any fact or recent history that we've seen unfold. That's all I'm saying, and I'm all for a rebuild. Uh, Vikingstad, I'll wait to judge this management by this year's deadline. Uh, it's it's going to be a big uh, big deadline for this team. And uh, you know, Bo Horvat is the big piece. I know there's been a lot of uh, talk today from Frank Saravalli's comments about what the value of, of JT Miller is, even if uh, the Canucks were to entertain that. I, I can't believe this idea that JT Miller needs to go on waivers. Like people are just, um, I, I don't know. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to me, Sat. It's jumping the shark. I, I, I get you don't like the way JT Miller has played this year. I get you don't like the way he interacts with the media. I get you don't like some of the outbursts he's had on the ice. He's not a waivers worthy player. He still played pretty good hockey this year in the overall. Well, I mean, somebody texted me today and was like, JT is the new Louis Erickson. JT, through half a season, has more goals than Louis Erickson ever did in any single season he played for the Vancouver Canucks. 
He has more points yeah. this year than Louis Erickson ever had in any season he had with the Vancouver Canucks. Can we stop? It's just the about, hyperbole is out of control. It's gone. It's everything is going to the extremes. Like it's just kind of going to the extremes. Yes. You know, and that's where my frustrations lie. And I'm here. We've been criticizing JT's play. And a lot of things. There's that a lot to, to criticize. Of course, but there is. Also, be real about it at the same time. Be fair about well, it. Well, yeah, it's like it, you know, you know, people say Bo Horvat's one of the most complete players in the NHL. I I push back on that. Not because he's not having a great year. He is. He's he's terrific. But he's not one of the most complete players in the NHL. He's not. I'm sorry, he's not. Yeah. Same thing that JT is not Louis Erickson. I'm sorry, he's not. Like yeah. He's not great, but he's not Louis Erickson. Yep. It's more about those things, and I, and I just find like we're kind of swing through extremes really right now and i get it i mean this canucks team has underachieved they've underperformed it's been a lot of years of bad people i get it and you know there are a lot of moves this team needs to do and a lot of things they have to improve on but i just think everybody needs to kind of chill a little bit yeah everyone needs to take a breath these next two months uh will show a lot of where the next steps are coming for this franchise but the team they're playing tonight does offer at least one situation that worked out on a quick reset. Some different circumstances, for sure, but some similarities in the situations as well. Stan Richo, Satyar Shah, Cheech is going to join us next on Canuck Central.